Remain standing and pray with me. Almighty God, we pray that you would overshadow us here this evening by your Holy Spirit and that you would work in us all that you desire to do among us here tonight. Prepare us, we pray, as we begin this bright sadness of Lent. Would you prepare our hearts for not only this season, but also for a lifetime of discipleship following you. And so we commend ourselves wholly to your love and care this evening. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Christ Church, this Lent, and indeed throughout this year and beyond, let this be our cry from the prophet Joel. Let this be our heart's desire each day when we wake, that we return to the Lord with all our heart. We live in an age bloated with distractions, and we are gluttonous. As we heard Sunday from Psalm 27, God calls out to our heart. He speaks from his heart to ours, and he says to the deepest part of who we are, seek my face, seek me. God's desire is that we seek him above all else. As earlier in the psalm, the psalmist says, one thing I seek, one thing, that one thing that's above all things I seek is to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And seeking God above all else is not a drag on our lives. It's not a burden or a hurdle to true life and flourishing. It is the key. As Jesus teaches us in Matthew's gospel in chapter 6, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Everything else in life will find its proper place when we turn and seek God and him alone as the chief concern of our heart, the one thing. Yet we are often too distracted for that, aren't we? We are often too distracted. Our hearts and our lives are splintered in a thousand different directions and pursuits. Some of us may be distracted and overwhelmed by ambition as a way of life. Busy and overcommitted, living a chaotic and packed schedule, seeking above all else to achieve status, acclaim, wealth, security, or even to do good for others. But doing so in our own vain and fleeting strength. We refuse by our actions and our way of life, we refuse to heed what the psalmist teaches in Psalm 127 verse 2. It is in vain that you rise up early. It is in vain that you go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For God gives to his beloved sleep. Or we may be distracted by the opioid of entertainment and social media. 
that has inoculated us against stillness. And if that is true for us, how can we ever come to know God more deeply? How can we actually ever seek him with our whole heart? For as the Psalms tell us in the voice of God, be still and know that I am God or we may be distracted and overwhelmed with what appears to be a never-ceasing list of tasks and demands that are set before us, that we can't put aside. Far too busy to turn and to attend to God in the midst of them, who promises us in Exodus 33, verse 14, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. My presence will go with you, even in the midst of all the demands and the tasks that are in front of you, and I will give you rest. As I was preparing for tonight, constantly in my prayers, the Spirit of God kept bringing a question to mind, mainly for me, and I'll pose it for you too, but for me it was, am I too distracted to return and seek God above everything else? Are you too distracted? To bend your whole heart to God, seeking Him above all things. The scripture lessons we've heard read this evening join their voices together in calling us to return to God with our whole heart, with our everything, making God our one thing. And it does this, they do this by calling us back to the basics of Christian living. And indeed, this is what the season of Lent is for. Lent developed in the early churches, we've already heard, as a season of preparation for those seeking baptism at the Easter Vigil. And it wasn't long before the whole church decided we want to join in. We want to be a part of that preparation too, to be reminded of the basics of life in Christ. And so we joined the catechumens in their preparation for baptism. For a 40-day season each year, the church resolves to return and redirect our hearts wholly to God. It is a season to return to the basics of Christian living in pursuit of God himself and the merciful and gracious rewards that he offers those who seek him and his kingdom. You see, the practices of Lent that we are called to during this season, self-examination and repentance, prayer, fasting and almsgiving, and the study and meditation on Holy Scripture, these practices are not peculiar, peculiar or restricted to Lent. You can do them outside of Lent. You're highly encouraged to. They are the basic duties of the Christian life. They're the basic duties of a life in pursuit of God above everything else. To be sure, they are intensified for these 40 days like the two-a-day or three-a-day practices I remember having prior to high school football season starting up. Maybe that was baseball for you. Maybe it was preparing for a recital. It's those weeks right before something big that you go back to the basics and you put all that time and effort into it to make sure that you have the fundamentals down pat. In our lessons from Joel and Matthew, we hear that the basic practices of the Christian life are intended to bend our hearts, intended to bend our hearts wholly to God, completely 
to God. We hear the connection between our hearts and our practices in Joel chapter 2, verse 12. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. How do we return to God with our whole heart? Well, Joel gives us an answer. We must fast. We must fast. We must abstain from those things that distract our hearts from seeking God above all else. For Israel, it was the famine that was caused by an army of locusts. If you read through chapters 1 and 2, and it's in this preparation of God's judgment for exile, that this description of the land experiencing this famine, and you can imagine the distraction that that would have caused for them. And not only that, prior to that, this famine is coming about because they are distracted away from God, not pursuing Him above all else. What distracts your heart from God? It can be sin. It can also be good things. It can be righteous deeds, even. If we do them for the acclaim and the praise of men, they're still righteous deeds, but they're not directed toward God. What distracts your heart from God tonight? This does not mean that what we abstain from during this fast is wrong in itself or sinful. No, our fasting is meant to reveal and teach us the proper order of things. God first and everything else in its proper place after him. God first and everything else in its proper place after him. You see, fasting frees the heart from the slavery to lesser goods. So that we might pursue God with a holy ambition and find in that pursuit God's blessing for life and flourishing. And we hear those rewards in Joel. Verse 14 of chapter 2. Who knows? Perhaps God will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him. That's in contrast to the locusts or to the army who it says before them lay the garden of Eden, behind them a desolate wasteland. They destroy everything they come in contact with. And the appeal here is that perhaps if we do return to God with all our heart, he will be who he is. Merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And we'll find that in front of him is a desolation, but behind him is blessing grain and grapes made into bread and wine, now an offering to God by his people. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, Jesus makes the connection between our heart and our practices more explicit when he says, for where your treasure is, where it is, your heart will be also. How do we return to God with our whole heart? Well, Jesus has an answer alongside Joel. And Jesus teaches us that, when, that what we do with our earthly treasure will bend our hearts, whether that earthly treasure is our time or our talent, skills, education, or our money and possessions. And that's why Jesus calls us there in our gospel lesson to almsgiving, to a practice of continual prayer. And he gives us a model for that in the Lord's Prayer and to fasting. 
so that our treasure might be employed to bend and direct our hearts to God above all else, especially our desire to be affirmed by others around us, especially our desire to achieve acclamation. And of course, this does not go unrewarded. As Protestants, we tend to have an aversion to divine reward. We think there's something wrong with it. We think we are slipping down into some health and wealth prosperity gospel. But Jesus tells us there's rich reward for those who fast and pray and give alms in secret. For your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus tells us, he even motivates us here to employ our earthly treasures of time, talent, and money so that we might gain even greater heavenly treasure. And what is this heavenly treasure that we might gain? Well, our psalmist told us last Sunday in Psalm 27, it is God himself living our lives out before the presence of God, dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. And for Jesus, it's a no-brainer. Why cling to earthly treasure? Why cling to our time? Why cling to your time? Why cling to our talents and our abilities and our education and our talents? Why cling to our money when all these things will pass away, he says? You will die. You will die. That's what we're here to remind ourselves of this evening in part of our mortality. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. You will die. I will die. Our time will end, and our talents will fade away into oblivion. Our stuff will rot and corrode, and what doesn't rot and corrode is always liable to be stolen. That's what Jesus says. So do not hold these earthly treasures as ultimate goods because your heart will follow them and be where they are. Because they do not endure and because they are not secure, your heart will ultimately be left empty and unfulfilled if you seek them as your one thing. Rather, Jesus challenges us to use these earthly treasures that God gives to store up lasting and secure treasures in heaven. It might seem counterintuitive. We like the immediate gratification of now. He says, work now to store up treasures in heaven. And that heavenly treasure is an enduring and secure life in the presence of God, our Creator, and of the Son the crucified Lamb, our Redeemer, and the Spirit of God who unites us all in the bond of love. You see, Joel even begins to hint towards this in verse 13 of his prophecy when he says, return to God for he is gracious and merciful. Return to God. Why? Because of God. Because of his character, his nature. He's gracious and merciful. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. That's that chesed love you've heard us preach about here before, that, that faithfulness, that loyalty of love. God is our treasure. 
And he satisfies our souls with his grace and mercy, with his loving kindness and blessing. So throughout this Lent, let us return to God. Let us return to God by returning to the basics of the Christian life. To self-examination and repentance. To prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And to the study of God, our treasure, through meditating on the word of God. And you'll hear more about that as we preach sermons through this season of Lent. But God is calling us as a church to a season of intensified discipleship. Not just for Lent, though, but for the next season of life at this church. God's calling us to a deeper and deeper pursuit of Him. To have a holy obsession. With him, his very nature, his character, his person. As you know, God has richly blessed this congregation. He has gone before us and we find coming behind him blessing and blessing. And his blessing has led us to a great problem, to the need to discern a, 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 for a space for a larger church. And amid the building search and the details and the negotiations that will characterize this year, Lord willing, and amid an eventual capital campaign and the work to organize it and call to sacrificial giving, amid all these things God is presenting us, I think, above all that, with a remarkable opportunity to seek him, above all else, to deepen our discipleship, to expand our commitment to God, to set our treasure in heaven and not on earth. For if we face the need that we have born out of God's blessing by simply passing through well-trodden paths and processes without recognizing that God places us in such moments, in such seasons, in such situations, in order to seek him completely, to rely upon him wholly, to grow more deeply into Christ, then we will squander the wilderness. We will waste this season of trial and sacrifice that lies in front of us where we could see God provide everything we need in a way that is far beyond our imagination. And that's not just true for our church as a whole. It's true for each one of you. It's true for each one of your families. For your children. As we conclude this evening, I want to challenge us to a particular Lenten discipline, particularly for those of you who are members or regular attenders here of Christ Church, if you're visiting, this is your one night you come to Christ Church to get your Lent on, welcome. Join us in this discipline as well. We covet your prayers for us. I'm calling each one of us, from our elders to our children, I love that part of Joel, to even the nursing babes, however they can enter into this, calling us to sacrificial prayer for our church, daily sacrificial prayer. That means giving it more time than you would otherwise. Committing to it on a daily basis. Pray for our church. Pray that God would 
pour out his spirit upon us. This is my heart's desire. More than I desire this church to find a bigger location to accommodate our growing size, I desire for us to experience God. So pray for God to pour out his spirit on us, enabling us to resist distraction and seek him with our whole heart to grow and deepen our roots in Christ. That is our main concern. And if even going for a good thing like another building distracts us from that, we're in error. So pray for the Spirit of God to overshadow us, to safeguard us from that. Pray for the leaders of this church, from the vestry to the shepherd team, to servant leaders that God gives wisdom and discernment to aid us in leading and guiding this church by making sound decisions. And also taking appropriate risk for the sake of the kingdom and the name of God, the renown of God. Pray that God will give us a favorable price in terms on a contract for Wesley Memorial. Pray for that daily. And pray that God will blow our minds. That God will provide through his people what we need to purchase it, if that is his will for us, without debt. Pray that God, as Paul tells us, will do something far beyond whatever we could think or imagine. But may we never lose sight of the one thing in all of that. And that's the challenge this Lent is do not lose sight of the one thing of God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, for he loves you. Seek him with all your heart this Lent and beyond. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.